This is the final word. Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenreiter and welcome to The Final Word, the show that invites you into the conversation. You can get your opinion on TV right here every Sunday night. And let's get started by introducing you to tonight's three panelists. We have with us at WPXI, the Steelers analyst, Doug Whaley, former NFL player, Doran Dickerson, and please welcome from our partner at DKPittsburghSports.com, Chris Carter. Hello, all. Albie. What's up, Albie? Some of the topics we're talking about tonight. Uh, what's Ben Roethlisberger's playoff legacy? Should the Steelers keep offensive coordinator Matt Canada? Why or why not? We're going to be talking about officiating during wildcard weekend. From questionable calls to consistency, we want to get your take. But first, the night's big topic. Uh, assess the Steelers season from that first win in Buffalo to this super wild card weekend matchup with the Chiefs. How would you assess the Steelers all year long, Doug? I'd say it's a mediocre season for a mediocre team. And that's what happens. The lack of consistency happens when you don't have a team that is built to withstand a long haul season like 17 games. We saw some bright spots, but we also saw some not so bright spots. And that's what happens when you're you have a flashes here and there because you do have some impact players like T.J. Watt. Ben Roethlisberger still can give you something. Anaji Harris can show you something. And Firemuth can show you something. But to be able to be a complete team, you need consistency and you need some depth. And you look at the secondary. You look at when we lost injuries to the defensive line. That chipped away at our, our, their ability to bring guys in and carry that standard that the first team has when they're on the field. The second backups guys, they just weren't able to sustain that. And that's why you have an inconsistent team that results in a mediocre t season. Doran, assess the season. I give them a C. You know, uh, they just never created an identity, and that starts in training camp. They never knew who they were as a football team. They didn't know who they were on offense. There was no communication with Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Canada. On defense, they knew they had T.J. Watt, and they knew they had Cam Hayward, but other guys didn't really fill in, especially in the mid-level at the linebacker spot. Uh, they just didn't create an identity. They didn't know what they were as a, as a football team, and you can't have that. You have to figure out who you are in the beginning, in the beginning of the season and hang your hat on that for for the rest of the season and let it expand. The Steelers never did that. We saw a different team every single game. They snuck into the playoffs. I do give them credit for that, but they just didn't have an identity this year. All right, Chris. I think them not having an identity goes to show that this is overachieving. This roster, I mean, they had the worst rushing defense in the NFL. They had one of the worst rushing offenses in the NFL while having the running back with the fourth most rushing yards in the NFL. That was a bizarre stat by itself. But this was a team that was that came into the, the, the season needing a lot of things to go their way. They needed to stay healthy all year long. They lose. They, they, they never got Stephon to it back. They, they, they lose to Tyson Alulu early. So the biggest strength on the team, the defensive line, was basically was basically. Uh, gone at the start of the season. That was a major problem. And the whole season long, you were hoping that Ben Roethlisberger woke up and somehow found some rejuvenation throughout the year because he was your most expensive player. But it just never happened. And that was just a reality they were going to have to carry with them this season because even if he retired or they cut him, he was going to get money at the end of this year. So that was a big issue for the Steelers coming into it. I think that all things considered, they fought like crazy to get to this point in the season to make the playoffs sweeping both the, the Ravens and the Browns. They deserve commend, commend, commendations for that. But 
like Doran said, like, like, like Doug's alluding to, there's a lot of work to do to make this a complete roster and compete in the coming years. All right, a reminder, keep those comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word and on Facebook at The Final Word. Now it's time for five words. Give us five words on the biggest reason for today's outcome. Uh, let's go to Mike uh, on Twitter. Uh, blame, he blames drop passes, and there were a lot of them tonight. Uh, Jeff says, Matt Canada uh, and terrible drafting. We're talking about Canada later tonight, uh, should he stay or go. And Sean Hummel tweeted that the Chiefs are just better. Five words now from our panel, starting with Doug. No big plays on offense. Think about it. Who on our offense really threatens you? Who on our offense keeps defensive coordinators up at night sleepless? Who on our offense do they actually have to game plan against? So when you couple that with the lack of identity, like Doran says, there's just no way you're going to get traction and be able to not only put pressure on the defense, but have them worry about, oh, no, if we don't cover this, they're going to exploit us. We have nobody that can, can exploit a defense, more or less score points. So that is the major issue, not only tonight, but throughout the whole year. Five words, Doran. Absolutely no offensive game plan. Najee Harris had, what, 29 yards rushing. Ben Roethlisberger had some garbage yards in the, in the, towards the end of the game, so he basically had 100 yards passing. I mean, come on, there was no offensive game plan uh, for this game and really for, throughout the whole year of what I just said before. This has been just atrocious. It was ugly. It has been ugly, and there needs to be a decision to be made at the high level of offense, and we will get into that in a little bit, but there was just no offensive game plan, and it looked ugly, and it was ugly, and you can't have that if you're playing playoff football, especially against Patrick Mahomes. Come on. All right, Chris, five words. Slim path that wasn't walked. All, all week long in the Locked On Steelers podcast, I was breaking down how this was going to, this was going to be, be a, t a game that if the Steelers wanted to win, they had to walk a very narrow path. It was going to come with several defensive stops early on. You had that. Turnovers early on, you had that. A defensive score early on, you had that. But you needed to bolster that with offense, and that's where the Steelers fell off the path. Even if it was just simply 10 points in the first in the first half that the offense generated. Then you're talking about 17 points. Maybe you get those points before the Chiefs can get their scoring started. And then Patrick Mahomes, he said it took us a while to settle into the game. There was a bit of hesitation. Maybe that hesitation lasts a little bit longer if there's an actual lead that the Steelers' defense can work and protect. And you don't allow the Chiefs to have eight drives in the first half. We talked all season long about how the Steelers, they're so great when T.J. Watt can, gets to play more than 40 snaps a game. They played more than 40 snaps in the first first half on defense. You can't play that way against a great Chiefs offense and a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. That's where the Steelers went wrong, as everyone is, is acknowledging. All right. Thank you for that. A little bit off topic, but on Twitter, a uh, from Katie Watson, five words. Thank you to number seven. So a little off topic, but I think that that's a sentiment that many Steelers fans absolutely are sharing tonight. All right. We have a whole lot of ground to cover tonight, and you're going to want to stick around to hear about it. Uh, first, we asked for your take on the Steelers season. Maddie tweeted that, that their take on the Steelers season, telling us that the team had no business being in the playoffs and it's time to start anew. Keep commenting on the Final Word Facebook and Twitter pages. Back after this.
final word. Welcome back to the final word. Our next topic. What is Ben Roethlisberger's playoff legacy? Chris? Well, I think you you got to look back in the, at the successes that he had early on. Uh, you know, he won two Super Bowls in his first few years in the league. Um, you know, and I don't think that the uh, the recent losses should diminish that. But I do think you have to acknowledge that, especially in the last, you know, I'd say half to the last 40% of his career, he wasn't really that good in the playoffs. I mean, you look at these last few games, you know, this this year uh, with the loss to the Chiefs, the Browns, the Jaguars, those games especially, he didn't turn it on until the team was 21 points down when the offense was, you know, wasn't playing well early. And that sort of became a big part of what the Steelers had to overcome in those games. And he would pad stats and things would look fine in the box score at the end. But if you look at situationally, he wasn't delivered. And I'd even say the last time that he was the catalyst for a Steelers playoff win. It wasn't in 2016 because Le'Veon Bell was the catalyst for those ones. You might have to go back to the, the comeback against the Ravens in the divisional round back in the 2010-2011 season. That's the last time I think that Ben Roethlisberger, you saw him really channel it into a, a playoff win. But certainly, he had plenty of success early on. That can't diminish that, that success. It's just there was a lot of disappointment and not showing up in important times in the 2010s. All right, we asked for your comments on this, and you definitely chimed in. Nick Henry calls Ben an un, un, underappreciated quarterback, winning two out of three Super Bowls and is one of the most clutch of all time. Uh, Doug, your thoughts on Ben's legacy in the playoffs especially? When I think about it, and you judge especially quarterbacks in the playoffs, it ultimately comes down to the jewelry that they achieve. Ben started out like gangbusters, a spike real high, having two Super Bowl victories really early and then getting to another one. Now, did he fade at the end? Absolutely, Chris, I totally agree with you. But again, you got to think about it this way. When people start talking about Ben Roethlisberger, when he's going into the Hall of Fame, in my mind, what picture is going to be etched in my memory is that throw to Santonio San Absolutely. Holmes. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And that is something that they'll show at his Hall of Fame speech and his induction into that Hall of Fame will be that picture, I think so. So gangbusters early, faded into oblivion later in his career, but it still brought two championships to the city of Pittsburgh, and you can't ever take that away from him. Uh, Doran? Well, I think his legacy is unbelievable. I think that uh, winning two Super Bowls, getting the three is unbelievable. Didn't we just watch a team, what was it, the other day? Um, in Ohio win their first playoff game yeah. in like 30 years? <laughs> yeah. And we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger's legacy as a playoff quarterback? Yes, good he's, point. He's won two Super Bowls. He's been to three. He's been unbelievable in 18 years. We just watched the Cincinnati Bengals just kumbaya and, 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 and throw a parade because they won a, won a playoff game in 30 years. Come on. It's, un, it's unbelievable that Ben Roethlisberger has the career or had the career he did, and it is unbelievable to see how his uh, legacy has panned out. It I, has been unreal. I also think it's important to remember for a lot of quarterbacks in NFL history, older quarterbacks like John Elway, who Ben Roethlisberger says was his hero growing up. It took a running back to come in and help those right. guys at the, right. at the back end of their careers. He started to get that with Le'Veon Bell, but and you saw that in 2016, but then he got hurt, and then 2017 happened with the defense falling apart with Shazier's injury. There were a lot of things that were unfortunate that didn't give Ben the supporting cast that I think could have helped him improve that playoff career. Yeah. But like yeah. Doran said, when you get two Super Bowl rings, I mean, how many, I think there's only, what, four guys that have more in NFL history? Yeah. What, what can you say about that? Yeah. And you, also, you add Manning, they had the defense when he won his last one. Absolutely. 
All right, moving on to our next topic here in the final word. Should the Steelers keep offensive coordinator Matt Canada? Why? Why not? Steelers have struggled offensively all season long, so should they keep Matt Canada, Doran? Uh, I say you move on because you're moving on in a lot of ways. You're going to figure out who your new quarterback's going to be. We talked about this earlier on the postgame show. Are you going to go in the draft? Is it a guy in the room? Is it a guy in free agency? So I think once you figure that out, you find an offensive coordinator that can fit the skills of that player, and then that's what will help you uh, establish your offense for 2022. And, you know, Matt Canada, I know he's, he was one year – one and done as an offensive coordinator. He's a college guy. I'm sure he'll have a, a lot of success back in college, but it just didn't fit uh, what they were trying to do at the NFL level. Uh, you know, I'm not going to slight a guy and try to say fire a guy. I'm not that type of person, but they need to move on and figure it out and su surround a guy that they're going to uh, put at the quarterback position with a good offensive coordinator. All right. There was a lot of discussion online about Matt Canada, including this tweet from Joe saying Canada's play designs lack imagination and the team needs to focus more on the running game. Chris, your thoughts on this? Oh, I think to be fair to Matt Canada, and I agree with Dorn, I think they should move on, but you know, people who are saying this about Matt Canada, that about Matt Canada, when you look at the All-22, there's oftentimes like, hey, that guy was open, that guy was open. A lot of today's NFL requires a mobile quarterback to do the creative things that you see Andy Reid doing with Patrick Mahomes. Why? Because he's not a statue, because he moves. And I think that's certainly something that's very limited. And then you had the offensive line that didn't perform well most of the season. And then you had a wide receiver unit that really didn't emerge the way that you hoped it would this season. The biggest things you had were Pat Fryermuth being a beast at tight end and Najee Harris being a beast at running back. Two picks that I do think Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin nailed throughout the offseason. But, and so, is it fair to Matt Canada? Maybe not. Because maybe there were places like, hey man, if we just did these reasonable things like complete this 10-yard pass here and 10-yard pass here where I designed these plays, we would have had more successes in, in games. But it didn't happen. And like Doran said, this is about to be a complete new rebuild. New quarterback, probably more investments into the offensive line, maybe more investments in the wide receiver, the way that Mike Tom was talking about them after the game. This could be a whole new group. Start fresh with a new group. Start fresh with, with a new guy, and I think a guy that kind of understands what it takes to pull everything together at the NFL rather than an experimental NFL offensive coordinator. All right, Doug. And the way I look at it is Canada was on this team before he got elevated to the offensive coordinator. True. So he knew – the pieces that he had to work with. And to me, the mark of a good coach is, no, I don't need my people to fit my system. My system has to fit the people that I have to my, at my disposal. And he never did that. And that's where I struggle. And then when you look at it, like everybody says, he had some success in college, but that was three stops removed and also removed from two years out of football. And then you add to the fact his first exposure to NFL football was in an offense that people didn't like. So I would say it's more on the overall macro level of this guy wasn't really qualified for this, and he's not really a coach. He's a system-generated coach, and we need, especially right now, the Steelers, they're going to have some new pieces in the puzzle when they get this offense and off this, after this offseason, not only with quarterback, but I'm sure offensive line and other areas. You need a guy to come in and say, what do I have to work with, and let me put them in positions to be successful. And you never saw that in the offensive game plan for 17, 18 games this year. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, we want to talk officiating now. It's been questionable, to say the least, all weekend. Uh, so uh, we want to know what can be done about NFL playoff officiating, Doug? You have to go full-time. The, the, the thing that really hurts 
NFL officials more than anything are two things. One, the players are bigger, faster, and stronger than they were when this game was really starting to, to blossom. Secondly is the camera angles. You have 4K now that you can go super slow-mo. So every decision they make can be micromanaged, especially from us in the media and people watching it. So for me, you have to go full-time so they can get reps. Reps, reps, reps. What do they say? The more times you do something, the better you get at it. So not only can they do the regular season, the postseason, but with the advent of two spring leagues coming along and then NFL offseason programs, they'll have plenty of time to keep themselves involved and getting better and better at it. Not only identifying things, but maybe even anticipating calls. So full time, is, that's, that's the only answer I can see. All right, uh, back to uh, social media. A lot of people had their own ideas, including Bubba, who said there should be a penalty point system. The, the league would review each game, assign points for bad calls, and after a certain point, they would be fired or reprimanded. Doran, is that realistic? Uh, I think that's somewhat realistic. I mean, you have to have some type of threat for your job sometimes in order to actually produce at a high level. I do think that's kind of realistic. you got to put them on a, on a platform that says, like, hey, if you mess up, then you have X, or if you mess up, you have Y. So I, I do kind of agree with that. But you gotta, you got to realize, and to Doug's point, we talked about this a little bit off air, uh, you know, they have to be full-time. They really do. And the only practice reps that they get before the season is going to a training camp practice and saying, you know, all right, we're going to mess around a little bit and you know, we're going to, in inside run drill, we're going to uh, blow a couple whistles because there's a couple holdings and then that's it then they get thrown right into the season they have to be full-time you have to treat this like a full-time job they need to go to you know seminars or do whatever they need to do to get into that full-time season mode and uh, make sure these things don't happen because today was ugly across all the games in the NFL of officiating all right, uh, let's go to Chris. Well, full-time is obviously part of the answer, and some are full-time. There are, you know, not all officials are part-time, but you need to make all of them. I mean, it needs to be your only job. These are two big games. Too much money is on the line for people. Two, these games are very important. There's a lot of you know, these people's livelihoods at stake right now. You look, you look at the, at the games. Some of the mistakes we're seeing, basic mistakes, things that that just that, that make no sense. Like how do you how do you do that? How do you make this kind of a mistake in, in a game? I think that one making full-time helps eliminate mistakes like Doug said you're not just working on it for games each week you're not just getting to know players you're reviewing things you're looking at things you're practicing situations you know you're maybe you're you're you're, a, you're they, they have you referee other events you know you go to NFL has events all year long maybe you're dealing with that and, and, and helping that with the process but another thing here that I think the NFL needs to open itself up to like the XFL has like the AAF has and all these other leagues that have tried but Get other ideas in here. Have an eye in the sky. Be innovative. You know, don't be afraid to shrug off the old trends that you have and think, oh, we're just going to stick to the old way of officiating. Be, be, you know, have a person at each stadium, an official in the booth who so looks at every single thing and immediately buzzes and says, hey, this was wrong. Not a person in New York, not Al Riveron, not anyone like that. Have a new system and think of other ways like that. But there, it needs to be, there needs to be an overhaul because it is a joke. It is ruining games and it is making some things un unenjoyable. The only in fact, the only wild card game that we had that was truly a, a true contest was Niners-Cowboys. And it ended with, wait a minute, did that referee get to the ball in time? We don't know. Oh, I guess the game is over. That's not dramatic. That's a waste. Chris, you said it correctly. They need to find a way to evolve. Everything in this exactly. world evolves. And officiating, for some reason, doesn't seem to want to evolve. All right. Thanks, everybody. I think Scott Harbaugh is chomping at the bit to get in on this. <laughs>
No, he's got other bigger things in his mind right now. All right, when we come back, around the horn on any topic, the final word is next. It's time now for the final word. Everybody gets a chance, and Chris Carter, you're first. Doom and gloom has been the forecast for Steelers fans for whenever Ben Roethlisberger retires. It's going to it's going to be about you know this. There's no chance. But I think one thing that people need to remember is that there is a way to compete without just the quarterback being the superstar of the team. The Steelers are going to have a ton of money in the offseason, and that was part of why they didn't spend all their money this year because it was going to carry over for the first time in the, in, in the NFL history into next year's salary cap. They're going to have a chance to build the offensive line, build the better defensive line behind Cam Hayward and hopefully Stephon Tuitt, get a cornerback that's for real and, and a number one guy, get a linebacker next to Devin Bush, maybe get some more help at wide receiver but quarterback is the one position that you don't need to overpay for draft a rookie get a cheap vet and then and, and have Mason Rudolph have the three of them battle it out and you'll have a reformed roster ready to compete next year for those thinking that you need a superstar quarterback to be in the playoffs and be a top seed look at the Titans with Ryan Tannehill he's not a top quarterback in the NFL but he has a strong defense this year a great running back and a solid offensive line and the Titans are competing and they'll be playing next week at home with a chance to move forward Doug, final word. If you're a fan of NFL football, you have to be excited because I believe we are going into a golden era of quarterback play. Follow me on this. In the NFC, you've got Prescott, Rodgers, Wilson, Murray, Stafford. You've got young guys coming up like Hurst and Fields. Now, if you're a Steelers fan, you have to be a little sad because think of these AFC quarterbacks that you're going to have to contend with for a long time. Mahomes, we just saw. Herbert. AFC North, Jackson, Burrow, you have Tannehill, you have Allen, then you have young guys coming up with Zach Wilson, Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and Tua. That's 17 out of 32 teams that will have competent quarterback play in the NFL. And you took it, that, like I said, that AFC, it's going to be some tough sledding. So, like Chris says, we have to get a quarterback in here, but improve the running game and the defense until that guy can take that step like Ben did in year three, year four. But as an NFL fan in the macro level, this game is in good hands. Doran, final word. Uh, I know it was the end of an era for Ben Roethlisberger, and it was an unbelievable era. But at one PPG Paints Arena, it's not an end of an era. Evgeny Malkin is back in the lineup. Ron Hextall has seemed to, to put his imprints as a GM on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Tristan Jari's playing at a high level. It's time to shift our energy and our focus on the Pittsburgh Penguins, knowing that Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers season's over. The Pittsburgh Penguins are playing some great hockey right now and have a chance to do something special this year. It's time to shift our focus into the Penguins and them doing something successful for Pittsburgh and for the uh, for their season this year. Well, Dorn, what about Pitt basketball, man? They're on their way too. They're, they're, they're climbing inch at, one inch at a time. All right. you got to give it to Sullivan and his staff. What they have done from the beginning of the season, coming Absolutely. out slow, having those injuries, getting those injury players to get back and playing at such a high level, kudos to those, that staff. All right, thanks, everybody. And our final word now from social media. A lot of you telling us the Steelers are facing some trouble if they don't make serious adjustments. But as Twitter user uh, Coexisting put it, hey, at least – we got the Penguins. He's following up what everybody's talking about here. 
Hey, I was working with Myron Cope when Chuck Knoll retired, and I remember Myron uh, in his story, the, the day that Chuck Knoll retired, he, he, he said, I had a little lump in my throat today as the emperor said goodbye. And I thought of that today as Ben Roethlisberger uh, said goodbye, if you will. He hasn't announced it yet, but everybody knows this is it for Ben Roethlisberger. I know that uh, you can talk forever about his legacy, about what he's done. Um, th the bottom line is this. For 18 seasons, he's been the guy. He won two Super Bowls, and he, especially in this last stretch, I think endeared himself to the fans and was able to accept their adulation that they gave him in those final couple games. Not many players get to finish their careers with a playoff win. Jerome Bettis did it. Very few others uh, can say that they've done that. But in some ways, this was a perfect goodbye for Ben. He didn't get a win, but he got the appreciation of the fans uh, in his final few games. And yes, the Steelers made it to the playoffs. So I know that maybe Steeler fans perhaps have a little lump in their throat tonight as we get set to say goodbye. As Katie Watson said on Twitter earlier, thank you to number seven. I'm Albie Oxenrider, and that's the final word for tonight. For Doug Whaley, Doran Dickerson, and Chris Carter, we'll see you next time.